Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to Down the Fandom Hole, a podcast celebrating the many talented queer fan creators that help bring the various queer fandom communities to life. Each episode, your host, fanfic writer and queer bear extraordinaire, Ika Spencer, will introduce you to fellow creators as they talk about the impact of being part of fandom, having a creative outlet that lets them be seen as they share their various fan creations, finding their creative voice, and so much more. While enjoying today's episode, click the link in the description to visit patreon.com slash down the fandom hole to check out the free companion posts for this episode. There you'll find fan content from today's guests, social media links, shout out for other fandom creators, and ways to gain access to supporter-only content. Now, take a moment to settle into your favorite spot, lace up those sneakers, or pull up that current work in progress. Let's get the show started. Hi, I'm Ayaka Spencer, and on today's show, I will be talking with Puppy Bisbee, who I had a lot of fun getting to know during our pre-chat. They were funny, we had a blast, we went a little bit on the morbid side, but that's okay. They're pretty amazing. A little bit about them. I first learned about Puppy Bisbee when I was scoping out the Warrior Nun fandom, particularly the Ava and Sister Beatrice ship, a.k.a. Avatris. The story that got us here was I Know You Know Me, You Don't Have to Show Me which will be linked in this episode's companion post, which can be found in the description below, and was written from both Ava and Beatrice's point of view, which in my humble opinion, chef's kiss. So of course, I had to invite them on, and thankfully, they said yes. So please, help me welcome my guest today, Puppy Bisbee. Thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. Before we begin, what are your pronouns? Mm -hmm. They them. They them. Excellent. Okay, to start this episode off, I thought I'd do something a little different and ask, what are you proud of? I'm just proud of all the fan fictions I've written. I mean, every, maybe every single one has been like an experience in itself, some of them more so than others. Yeah, that's all I have really. I'm not, my vet general life isn't that amazing. I just work an office job. So I get to write these amazing stories and live out different dreams in them. Nice. Thank you for sharing that. Okay, so what got you into fandom? Um, by complete accident, to be fair. I was relatively young, probably 12, 13-ish, and it's kind of spiraled from there. I didn't get into really into fandom until I joined Tumblr when I was about 16, and got back into writing around then as well. And it just kind of spiraled from there. I jumped from fandom to fandom. I normally stay in a few for a few months until I find one that I really, really love, and then I get stuck there forever, in the best way possible, obviously. So what fandom are you currently into right now? What about that warrior nun? Oh, yeah. Beatrice and Ava. Adorable. Oh, they own my absolute heart. <laughs> so what about them how, drew you in? The characters individually more than them as a couple originally. You've got Ava, who's this like fresh face kind of puppy, the kindest kind of human ever. I know she comes across as like selfish initially, but like at the heart of it, she just has this amazing kindness for others and just want to help other people and then you've got Beatrice who's like kind of hates herself in a lower way wants to make herself useful to be worth something and then they just kind of come together and they're both outsiders in their own way and they just have this amazing potential to help each other grow individually and to just be this amazing couple together so when you write your stories like I was able to read your don't leave now that you're here stay which is 
beautiful and tragic and made me want to just hug Beatrice like nobody's business because (laughs) Ava ends up in the hospital. This is a bit of a spoiler for those who haven't read it yet, but go read it. And Beatrice stays by her side. There's this one passage that I positively love from it where you say the four walls of Ava's room become her church and the rhythm of the monitors acquire to her grief. I was fucking floored. (laughs) Thank you. I was fucking floored when I read that. It was so beautiful. And I was reading it to a friend because I like to read out loud. And I almost cried. I was just like, I'm like, I really wanted to cry, but I also wanted to finish the story. So I'm just like, you write these beautiful stories. And thank you so much. Oh, yeah, totally. Completely deserving. When you get into the minds of the characters, what puts mm-hmm. you there? Because you seem to write them so on spot. Like you have Ava's casual, laissez-faire attitude, even though she's in the midst of this craziness. And then you have Beatrice's solemn, quiet stoicism, even though you're also talking about or writing about things that are very heavy in the emotion for her because she's coming to grips with how she feels. But like Ava, it's a little bit more on her sleeve, even though it kind of isn't. What helps you get there? I think with Ava, it's always been like a lot easier to Mm -hmm. get into her headspace. Because I think personality-wise, me and her have a lot of traits in common. So kind of the best way to get into Ava's head and to stay there is just to make jokes. If I'm writing and I see an opportunity to make like a dick joke or something like that, or any kind of pun, no matter how bad it is, I take it because I know that's something that Ava would do. And then it's just, again, it's like you said, heart on her sleeve. And it's kind of keeping that in account and making sure I kind of like tweet the language, the way that they kind of talk. So Ava has like a much more casual kind of speech pattern. But I try to keep Beatrice's as a bit more formal. So it's almost like yes and no. Whereas Ava would be like, yeah, yo, what's up? It's really kind of aloof with it all when it comes to Beatrice one thing I share with her is like the way she kind of internalizes her pain a bit and that kind of sadness that she feels so that's what made it easier for me to get into her head eventually um that specific story was my challenge in a way of keeping it solely from her perspective and it had been the first time I'd done that so I really took that as like my kind of push just to get into her head and trying to understand the way that you'd think and react in certain situations. The way that you went back and forth between the here and then the then, when she's looking back and she's realizing these moments of connections that she was having with Ava without even realizing it, I thought was really beautiful and really well done. And it offered so much more to the story because it really got you into the headspace of where she was emotionally because she was slowly coming to understand her feelings and the way you ended it was like oh god this is the perfect way to end it doing that did you find that very cathartic to do that for Beatrice the way she kept looking back and moving forward looking back and moving forward that was one of my first stories for the fandom um it was a request well I kind of got this prompt to guessing like this is what I kind of want okay so I went into it not really knowing what I was doing. I started off with obviously I was in the hospital and he's like, well, how did she get here? And it's like, well, we'll just, we'll just show it in flashbacks. And I kind of started figuring it out as I went along. It sounds so unprofessional. Um, I didn't plan any of like that first chapter out really. I just kind of 
let Beatrice tell the story in a sense, rolled with it, and then the poetry came into effect. And I mean, I cry. I will. I admit, I did cry when I was writing it. Like the last scene in the first chapter, I kind of figured out how I wanted to end it as like a solo one chapter piece, and it was going to stay as a one chapter piece until I had one anonymous message asking for a part two. I was like, well, yeah, and I just kind of, I can't leave them like this. I need to. I, I want. I want Beatrice to have a happy confirmation moment I love ambiguous endings but I wanted to have this and then I wrote all of chapter two in I think it was two days of kind of non-stop writing did I miss chapter two holy hell hold on oh my god <laughs> I so miss chapter two. Oh, buddy oh my god I have to read it now <laughs> how did I miss chapter two? Oh, for fuck's sakes <laughs> I will read it later. <laughs> and what are your thoughts? <laughs> ay, ay, ay. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, are you a pantser or a planner or a planser? Planser? Oh, yes. Do you know what these are? I mean, I'm guessing it's like how I kind of write my stories. Yes. So pantser means you basically write off the seat of your pants. You figure everything out as you do it. And then it comes out. Mm. Boom. Amazing. You might have like some goalposts you want to reach, but overall there's no structure. Planner is someone who plans out every single detail of their story. And then, you know, writes the story. Yeah. And then a planter is a combination of both. So it varies. I think for the most part, I'm a pantser. I tend to kind of go into a chapter with a rough idea. Especially, this is more for like applying to like snapshots and stuff that I've already got kind of going. I kind of go into them with a rough idea of like the kind of things I want to achieve, like the goalposts for that chapter, maybe the overall installment. This is kind of what I want to achieve. This is mm-hmm. like the focus of this part. But then I have a story like titled Bring Me Back to You, which I, from, I think I wrote the first chapter off the top of my head. And then I sat down with a notebook and I wrote down everything that I wanted to happen in it point by point it's like a 70 page notebook of notes for that story and I've kind of stuck to that pretty solidly until like the most recent few chapters where I've kind of deviated a little bit just because obviously plans change and I what you think is going to happen might not because character motivations change and things just happen Mm -hmm. I like to kind of let the characters tell the story a little bit if it gets to a moment where Beatrice wants to do something I'll let her do it for Mm -hmm. the most part and vice versa yeah I don't really plan too much I kind of spitball a lot of ideas and then when I actually sit down to write the chapter I just see what happens I'm always the kind of person who will be like oh I'll write a this story's going to be like four chapters it's going to be this many words and then I'll just ignore that entirely and write another 10 chapters on top of it so someone had made a comment when we had put out a call for questions and they said that your love thy neighbor and snapshots fix were the one of their favorites because they loved the way that you wrote the sexual relationships and sex scenes for both. And they also asked if there would be a sequel for love thy neighbor. Is that possibly in the works? I mean, it's not unlike the immediate horizon I definitely have the material for a sequel for Love Thy Neighbor. I mean, I have like their entire life planned out really from after where the thick ends. Would I write like a whole sequel? Not really. It'd be more of a like, one shot 
kind of installments, same kind of format as the YD for snapshots with like just the key moments of the story. If it happens, it happens, but I have so many bits planned for after like the ones I'm working on at the moment. So I'm going to be writing stories for Beatrice and Ava for like, the next five years at this rate. What causes you to write a specific story with all the different whips you have going on in your head? Ideas. So a lot of the things I have planned in the future, I mean, most of my stuff anyway, is like AUs, like different settings. I've only got, I've only ever really written, like for series wise, two of my stories kind of follow the canon. And even then, they're all like post season one. And obviously, there's no season two yet. That's out yet. So mm-hmm. it all kind of deviates from there. But everything else is really more alternate universes. It's just kind of seeing what changes happen when you put them in different situations and let them have a bit more freedom so like what if Beatrice was never obviously most of them will be Beatrice not being a nun and having her just be comfortable with her sexuality in some of them a lot of them so do you think you'll explore Ava's sexuality because she's kind of a blank slate almost right now I mean it's kind of generally accepted that she's bi and that she's chill with being bi and I'm happy with her. She's had feelings for JC and she's, we know she's going to develop feelings for Beatrice. So I'm happy just for her to be bisexual because we need that good bi rep. This is true. Do you feel any sort of kinship with Ava based off of your sexuality and how you view gender? Because I know we did touch upon it a little bit in the pre-chat, but like, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts for yourself? I mean, sexuality wise, I, I've always kind of said that I was gay, just I, I mean, I've slept with dudes in the past and, nah, no, don't like, <laughs> no, not time to have sexuality. I just, I know that when it comes to biphobia and fandoms, it's always there and it's mm-hmm. really annoying. And it's like, well, no, I'm going to make sure that I keep telling you all that Ava is bi and that's it. I'm not changing my stance on that. That's my bi baby, and we're keeping her. Okay. In terms of like gender and stuff, I haven't really thought about touching on gender identities in these stories yet. Um, I know I did briefly when I used to write for Teen Wolf. I touched, and that, that was especially when like gender identities were like a new concept to me. I had not known anything about them before mm-hmm. then. So that was where I kind of really started exploring it. But it's only really been recently where I kind of thought, oh, I started experimenting with like she they and it's like hmm, I actually really like it when people call me Charlie for a start because that's not like the name I get called in my day-to-day life in reality so like that's my first start and it's like oh I also really like it when people say like use neutral terms for me and yeah I haven't really gone too much in depth after that I just kind of said okay we're gonna stick to using neutral I'll tell my my little Twitter family and that's what I've done so far and two people in my real life kind of thing social circles no but there was not people that I really see on the regular so it doesn't really feel like it counts so there's kind of like a dual life you live almost like what you have on social media you feel more accepted Mm -hmm. and then in real life there's this feeling of non-acceptance or they don't know because you don't feel comfortable sharing yet absolutely I mean when it comes to like my social life, most mm-hmm. of my friends here are through work and I just know that they're like they're not supportive of 
pronouns and things like that the casual transphobia and things that I'd hear on the daily and it's just shit Mm -hmm. so yeah no I wouldn't feel safe do you feel given the chance you'd like to transition no I'm cool just as I am at the moment I've not really put that much thought into it you would just like to be able to live as yourself as a fluid human being yeah maybe one day so when was the moment you realized that you weren't quite what you were and the first time you heard they felt right I don't really remember I think I dabbled in using they them a few years ago back again when I was on the team war fandom but I didn't really have that much of a big well I say it's not like I have a big social presence now online but I was like a much more just me and like two other people kind of thing as opposed to what I have now with like a whole bunch of followers who I talk to on the regular on Twitter because I wasn't on Twitter up until recently and I kind of just fell out of it because I wasn't really like socializing online anymore and then when I came back to like the internet I just kind of carried on where I picked off picked off where I left off so I think it was a few months after I don't know if I started Twitter with Sheila or if I kind of changed it along the way but I think it was just having people just call me Charlie and then being in like my little group chat with my two besties and seeing them refer to me in the neutral term and I thought ah yeah this just kind of feels right like there wasn't a specific moment it just kind of happened over time so what has your fandom story been like like what is the experience you've been having since you've gone into multiple fandoms is there Mm -hmm. one fandom you feel like you're a bit more in the you've dived into as opposed to others that maybe you kind of skirted around the edges so I don't really kind of count like my early days one because I don't remember them anymore because I drank a lot when I was in my mid to late teens mm-hmm. so that's a distant memory to me now I used to tend to skirt around a lot more I said in the pre-chat like the pitch perfect because we found them was like my first kind of big space and active because I think the one thing I always had a tendency to do was I'd pick up shows a lot later so any fandom I joined was already like dead by the time I got there mm-hmm. and it was just me kind of like reading all of the fiction that had been written years ago and kind of thing the Pitch Perfect one was definitely my first dip in there I wrote a story that was like entirely told from the perspective of um, Becca's roommate in the first film and it was just the idea that she like she shift Chloe and Becca basically and she was like <laughs> on Tumblr all the time and like her fo- her kind of followers were like oh my god and it was just this ridiculous story of um Kimmy Jin kind of <laughs> working behind the scenes to all like to puppet them together so her angry stoic roommate who always looked at her like she was just a basic bane in the ass yeah. had a secret ship for her <laughs> I <love> yeah <laughs> I, I was 16. I've changed so much since then. Sounds um, like a fun concept, though. Like, I don't want you to know how much I ship you. I'm going to be mean. <laughs> see, I, don't, I, I, I know I deleted the story when I kind of transitioned onto AO3. But I, can't, I feel like it ended with her just being like, just, just fucking kiss her. Just do it. And then I know I started writing a sequel where she kidnaps Aubrey to help her get her and Stacey together. But then I never finished that That fell apart after like one chapter because I got distracted by other fandoms and then I kind of skirted around like Once Upon a Time, Orphan Black, Carmilla, things like that. I got into the Supergirl fandom during mm-hmm. season one 
didn't really create anything for it, but I kind of had this, I was part of like this group of, this, it was like my first kind of time experiencing like a group chat with a group of people during an active time in a fandom. It's like, okay, this is, this is kind of cool. And then with Teen Wolf, I even, I even joined Teen Wolf late, especially for the ship that I wrote for, because one of the characters in that ship ended up dying like a few months after I started writing a fic for them. And I was like, I'm cursed. <laughs> I wrote like three stories, maybe. Mm-hmm. I, was in the, I know I was in the middle of one and then she died. It was like, I just got here. <laughs> For fuck's sake, I'm leaving now. I'm so upset. That was like one of my worst character deaths ever as well. And then I, just, I think I just kind of like, I burnt out a bit after a couple of years in that fandom. So I jumped around a bit more, got back into Supergirl right around the kind of like the first lockdown. And then Warrior Nun came out and that's a whole other story of fandom experience because it's unlike anything I've ever known before it being in this fandom. You said you weren't at part of the Discord, right? I was briefly, but I don't do well with like big group chats. Mm-hmm. And especially with like time zone differences. And when I work, like when I work, I have crazy hours. And so it was like, I feel like I missed, I'd missed so much. And I just thought, mm, stressful. And I left. <laughs> I'm part of the Warrior Nun Discord. I'm actually part of a number of fandom-based discords. And mm. I kind of lurk. I kind of jump on, read what's going on. And then I'm like, I never know where to enter into a conversation. Yeah. It's just like, I've lurked for too long. <laughs> yeah, I don't do well in that kind of situation, I've learned. So like when it came to Warrior Nun, I kind of went into... I mean, my mom recommended the show to me. My mm-hmm. mom and Tumblr. That's how I watched it. So I went in there like was not knowing anybody and kind of stalking like the Avatrice kind of tag and seeing who I could find on Tumblr. And I had like these ideas for stories. So, well, I don't really know the characters that well yet. So it started off with just me writing like this little 700 word story, just trying to get a feel for them. Put in the office notes like, hey, here's my Tumblr. If you have any ideas, you know, drop me a message. And I didn't expect anything to come of it. And then I was very, very surprised when I got immediately within like a week or so like a bunch of requests and it's like oh shit okay I've got work to do now and that's how like my first few stories came about like that don't leave and you and I um I know you know me the one that I know that you said that you'd read I did the person that you'd read so they all came from kind of anonymous fronts so I owe a lot to them for kind of not necessarily keeping me in the fandom but getting me kind of start engaging more and then I, I wrote a snap the first chapter of well the first part of Snapshots, which is meant to be like a little Christmas gift for an incredible artist or tricks in the fandom. And again, that also that was just supposed to be a, a simple, you know, Christmas time one off. But I had ideas for more. So I started I wrote like a New Year's Eve into New Year's Day story. And I thought, well, so and so said that the Warrior Nun family is a lot more active on Twitter. I'll open a new Twitter account. And it was like immediately people kind of knew who I was. And I was like, what the fuck's going on here? Why, how do you know who I am? I was like, What's happening? It was just really wild. And I consider myself like extremely lucky that like, this fandom must feel like a family to me. And I got to meet my two best friends, like the people I love the most in the world, um, Dash and Steph. They're the most important people in my lives easily. And I wouldn't have met them if I hadn't written that like 700 word story on a whim. 
It's funny how sometimes things that you're like, you know what, I'm just going to give it a try, see what happens, is like the gateway to a bunch of other things. Exactly. It was just a domino that started it all, really. Like, I'm in a, at a place now where I can't imagine what my life is like without knowing the people that I know now and not getting to talk to them every single day and tell them how much I love them every single day. Like, I made it lucky. Do you find having that kind of fan support system or just support in general makes it feel more connected to you? Absolutely. I mean, I've always kind of maintained that like, I write fan fiction because I love it. And then just to get to share it with people and to hear them say that they love it back, even though I don't, receiving comments has never been like, like priority for me. Like, I don't really mind if people never leave comments. That's never been a mm-hmm. big deal for me. But just knowing that I have that kind of support and that my stories are enjoyed by people is enough for me. So during the pre-chat, you talked about how if you were offered a 10 million pounds, you would to give up writing, you wouldn't give up writing because writing keeps you human. Do you want to delve a little bit more into that? What it's like to feel human when you write for you? Just that kind of thrill, thrill of getting to write. It sounds so weird to say like writing Mm -hmm. gives me an adrenaline rush, but it generally does. Like when I'm writing a specific scene and you know that something's about to happen or you're building up to this like one big moment, Mm-hmm. And it's like I can feel I can feel the anticipation and the emotions that the characters are experiencing, mm-hmm. like the good and the bad. I've written scenes where they're in such pain, and it's like it makes me hurt too. Like I still have time. I used to love writing angst. Like that was my shit. And now I cry at the idea of making Ava cry. If I make Ava cry, I'm crying too. And Beatrice, but we, we've seen. Beatrice crying it's such a delicate thing but I was like a proper little sobber and it hurts my heart to see her sob well it's good that she's so in touch with her emotions as well you know she's not afraid of them even when they suck I mean that's like the one thing like I've always said about Ava is like she probably has like the most emotional intelligence out of all of the women Beatrice is in like a castle of walls with a moat and alligators and everything she's not showing her emotions unless Mary is just Revenge first, feelings later. Lilith is, she's starting to, she apologized to Ava for trying to kill her. She's getting there. And then with Kimmer, we don't really know that much about her yet. So it's hard to kind of say how she kind of processes things like in canon, just because we got so little of her in season one. It's funny when I think of the characters, the main nun characters, and Mary's not Mm -hmm. really a nun. I feel like they're all trying to run away from something except maybe Camilla like there's this feeling of Beatrice it's obvious she's trying to run away from her very hollow upbringing the lack mm-hmm. of any sort of parental love or feeling of stability that her parents didn't give her because they were so concerned about their outward appearance and then Lilith she just seems like an angry person running away from something that makes her equally mad mm-hmm. but being somewhere else makes her less mad and then Camilla she just seems like I don't know. Like the fact that we do know so little about her offers a lot of possibilities for her character, I feel like. And then Mary, she's, you know, she found a purpose and then she lost that purpose because of the death of Shannon. And now she's kind of refound it with Ava. It was kind of like bringing Ava back was kind of like 
I was going to say, I don't want to call it a purpose, but kind of like, Shannon died, you know you're alive, so I'm going to keep you alive because it kind of keeps a piece of Shannon alive, I guess. With Lilith, you kind of learn that her family had, like, I think they had two warrior nuns in their legacy. So she was kind of raised to be like, she was going to follow Shannon when Shannon died, she was going to become the next warrior nun. And obviously Ava took that, air quotes, took that away from her. So she mad about that. And like I said, Beatrice, we already know. But with Camilla, it's a case of they haven't really given us much details about her life. One kind of big thing that you learn is that like when Shannon dies, that was her first mission. When Beatrice is being relocated to Malaysia, Camilla kind of says that she kind of wished that she was being kicked out to. And that kind of thing, hmm, why do you think this Camilla? Is it just because you want to stay with like the little group or why did you end up in the cradle in the first place kind of thing? I mean, personally, when I write Camilla, I kind of write her as, like, a wild card who loves chaos. She does seem to like chaos in the show, though, too. Like, she Absolutely. seems to, like, to poke the bee sometimes. And she does Absolutely. it with a cute smile. You're like, you're um, dangerous. <laughs> she's, like, I expected a made absolute hell in season two. That's, like, my biggest gamble is that she just goes absolutely feral. You know, we might find out that she's the one with the biggest secret of all. Who knows? That would be amazing. It's always the quiet ones anyway who come out with like, oh my fucking Lord, are the ones who always seem really happy that are Mm -hmm. hiding the darkest secrets. You're like, hmm, this is interesting. I'm excited for it. Well, hopefully it comes out soon. I think originally... The creator, Simon, was saying, like, they're hoping for a summer release. Um, last bit I heard was that they're doing the effects and stuff. It all depends on Netflix. Even Simon said that himself. Like, at this point, it's entirely down to Netflix when they choose to air it. Personally, I'd hope for, like, late summer, early autumn, purely because I know Netflix have, like, a lot of their big shows coming out. Like over the next few months, obviously you got like Stranger Things, what, like the two volumes of that, um, Umbrella Academy, Russian Dolls is like this week or next week. I didn't even know they were making a season two for that. Wait, who? Russian Doll. It was a show with um, Natasha Leone. Ah, yes, yes, yes. They made a season two and I had no idea. So are, the, are these the shows that you're like anticipating to see come up? It's more that it's just, when you think of like Warrior on season two, kind of take into account everything else that Netflix is releasing over the next few months. Oh, you're um, trying to figure out like, where it would fit. Yeah, because they've got, like, so many of their big, like, releases coming up. So, you know, drop in silently in between those. There's not really any idea for when season two is going to come out. So any shows that are coming on for another season that you're anticipating? I mean, I like I said, with Russian Doll, I wasn't expecting a season two. I don't really see what that would do with season two, but I'll check it out. I did really enjoy season one. Other than that, I'll watch Stranger Things just because I've been invested. I've watched like every season and I thought like, oh, I might as well see this through to the end now. Did you so, watch by any chance Gentleman Jack? I watched most of the first season. I just haven't watched the last episode yet. Um, oh, Derry Girls. That's the one I'm excited for. I've never seen that show. Oh, it's amazing. It's um, set in the 90s in Northern Ireland. Well, Ireland. It's during, set during the Troubles. I so think the, the uh, Irish conflict. I think one of the characters in Bridgerton plays in that show. Yeah, yeah she does. Penelope, right? I've not watched Bridgerton, but 
I know she's in it. I mean, um, it's fun. But yeah, um, Debbie Girl season three comes out on the 11th, mm-hmm. not the first episode. And and that was like, one, it's one of the best comedies I've watched in a while. And it's got that 90s charm. So kind of circling back to creating fan content, what's your ritual when you sit down to create and write a story? I don't know if I really have one. I still write. At the moment, I'm still writing all of my fix on my phone. It's generally a case of most of the time I end up, assuming that I'm doing my normal work, like my work life. Mm -hmm. So I work like my six days in the office and I come back to my parents on my days off. I fully just kind of curl up on the sofa with my phone and I just start writing. And I try to alternate between the stories that I have on the go at the moment. I'm writing free at the moment, even though I just took a week off to write and post one today. Completely different story. It's generally just I try to write when I can, mm-hmm. get as much done. If I, I take breaks to watch TikTok and have a cigarette and I come back to it. I'm really disorganized in my organization. I mean, if it works for you, I mean, that's all that matters. Yeah. I know like, I aim to have a computer at some point so I can write much faster and not make myself blind by the time I'm 30. This is true. And it's easier to look on a big screen too. I, I, I do like that. My phone has like this, I don't know how to describe it. It's like a drag kind of text. Oh, so like you can drag your finger around and create words? Yeah. A much better way to explain it. And it's really fast as well. It's just, you have to be careful when you kind of go to the edit point because you'll find out that it's changed words like Beatrice to bread. And you, you you miss this in your two edits. And it takes one of your friends to point it out when you've posted the chapter that you've really just wrote the word bread instead of the main character's name. It's funny. I was, I used this program called Descript to edit my audio because it also creates its transcript. And so this one I'm currently editing for the five burning fandom questions, mm-hmm. the question was, which villain do you find redeemable and unredeemable? And for whatever reason, the descript changed irredeemable to unread the Bible. I'm like, that's kind of close. Close enough. So technology is great. <laughs> oh, I totally got to love it. I mean, when I'm kind of doing my like my last edits, mm-hmm. so it, was, it was like today. I posted like a 22,000 word story today. Damn. And it was a birthday present for my best friend, Dash. It was a warrior nun slash X-Files. Crossover. Yeah. So I rewrote the pilot of X-Files, but made it Ava and Beatrice. But it's like, again, going through that entire word length. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, how many times do I say, do I say Ava's name during this entire fix? Mm-hmm. No idea. But there's always one time where autocorrect will say, did you mean to say Java? instead of Ava. Now, this is the last paragraph, but you haven't suggested this for any of the other times her name's been said. Just this mm-hmm. one. What happened? It's like it's it wants to keep you on your toes. You're like, you're supposed to be helping me, not making my life harder. I mean, to be fair, I did fully just type Scully instead of like Beatrice, the last name I gave Beatrice at one point, just fully kept it as Scully. I didn't realize until after I posted it. That's what the edit feature is for, thankfully. So, oh, I know that's not so bad. <laughs> yeah, even now I'll go through like my old fix and I'll see a typo. It's like, how, one, how did that get past me? And two, why did nobody say anything? 
there's like a whole scene set to Stevie Nicks' Edge of Seventeen, and there's one point, and I don't think I've even changed it yet, so I only saw it a few days ago, but I thought he could just call her Steve Nicks, and I was like, well, you need to fix that at some point. Mm-hmm. Stevie Nicks. Now that's one badass woman. Oh, queen. I love her landslide. Edge of Seventeen, all the way. So what was it like the first time you posted a fic? Did you have that fear of rejection, or were you like, nerves you're just like i'm gonna put this out there it's all good i don't fucking care i mean i've never really gotten over my fear of of rejection thankfully it doesn't tend to apply to when i post fix i get nervous sometimes depending on like what the subject matter is so it's like when i write those sex scenes writing sex scenes is really fucking stressful it really is especially because like that 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 comment that you read out to me earlier which oh my god I, i love that the one thing I kind of really wanted to do with those, with Love Thy Neighbor and when they finally had sex was kind of, they're two very different situations. So mm-hmm. in Love Thy Neighbor, they're, they're a bit older, they're like the mid-twenties. They live in like just a regular life, some neighbor AU essentially. You know, so they both got experience in different ways. The first time they're having sex and they've been kind of like dancing around each other for a month. And I just kind of wanted to create this situation where it's a little bit awkward. They're having fun. They're talking about likes and dislikes, what the limits are, and having like a like, general kind of awkwardness that you'd kind of expect to have in an actual situation instead of it being like a movie kind of setting where it's just this instant passion and everything's going right like straight away. And it's like, well, no, it's bitches is wearing skinny jeans for a start. They're going to get stuck around their ankles. All right, let's be realistic. And it's just kind of like, that ended up being a, such a long chapter of just them having sex because they kept getting distracted by talking. It's like, well, this is what their dynamic is. They talk and they laugh together. Oh my God, those and are the I best. Was, I do love your stories. Anyway. Thank you. And it's like with Snapshots, it was a different situation of, for Beatrice, it was Beatrice's first time ever and Ava's first time with a girl. And it was kind of creating a different experience than what happened in Love Thy Neighbor because of that. And they've been through so much together in the story and in canon, obviously. Mm-hmm. And Beatrice dealing with all that kind of like self-hatred that she had from growing up, being told that she was wrong. And just trying to keep that as like, this is a really deep experience for them. Even though obviously sex isn't the be-all end-all. Like, you don't have to have, a rela- have sex to have a relationship that's irrelevant. But in the context of those two, it was like a really deep experience for them. And they end up crying a lot and I said well yeah they would they've been working so hard on this on building this relationship to get to this point and I've completely forgotten what the original topic was that we were talking about but rejection and fear of posting (laughs) I was fully just talking about why writing sex scenes stresses me out and I've just gone into like such a big tangent Um, I mean if I feel like it works and I keep calling your the snapshots abandoned and I'm so sorry I'm like oh it's cool Writing sex scenes is freaking technical. And I'm like, when I write sex scenes, I get like flustered sometimes. I'm like, wait a second. What the fuck are they doing? Where'd this ham come from? All that shit. Fucking like mental twister. I made a tweet about it once that like writing sex scenes and writing action scenes are like the most stressful things for me. Although I I think action scenes are a little easier. I don't know. I think in my head, it's Mm -hmm. like I have these really ultra specific ideas of like how I want it to go it ends up being choreographed like a fucking Michael Bay film it's really annoying I can't kind of like translate it into words properly or not not to a level that I want to so it kind of stresses me out in a different way I feel like because for me 
sex scenes are very intimate, right? You have that whole connection and then you might have the funny bits and then you might have the weird bits, but then you're trying to elicit these feelings of fingertips on skin, caressing up and gliding and what the feeling of wetness feels like or can be written out as, you know, as opposed to like angry sex, which is just so animalistic and you're pulling out all these emotions and then you've got the action scenes, which are merely hatred and then you're just blowing out a scene full of action. But Mm. I think, yeah, I get what you're saying, but damn, sex scenes are hard. Sex scenes are hard. So it's like when it comes to like the nerve, that's like when I tend to be the most nervous when I'm like when I'm posting an update with mm-hmm. sex scenes or if I know it's like going into a really heavy kind of it's going to be like a hard chapter to read like emotion wise I kind of get nervous about that but at the same time I also just get this kind of serotonin rush when I do posts it's like oh, I've worked so hard to make this story happen mm-hmm. like I'm one step close to like getting to this point it's like oh it's like crack to me so do you ever feel impatient? Like I like writing short chapters because I just want to get it in and out from point A to point B, point C and on. Do you find that you have that impatience or you're like, you want to make sure this story is crafted because you don't have very many short chapters or one shots even. Yeah. I mean, two of the stories I've got were meant to be one shots. So don't leave. And you and I were originally one shots, but then I've had ideas to kind of continue them. Something else has just turned into bigger things. I'm okay with being patient because I know I'm trying to tell a very specific story and convey specific things. So it's like with Tides, those chapters are normally a bit more shorter, but it's a much more compressed story in terms of what's going on because it's like day of the day kind of thing. Um, snapshots take place over months and like it, it started timeline wise. The first chapter is in December the current chapter I'm working on is in May so that's five months timeline wise and I'm okay with snapshots being like 20,000 words long and it just being them doing stupid things like oh we're gonna go shopping or we're gonna go look around France because it's a story that focuses on like their bond and their emotions whereas Tides is more this is what we're gonna do we've got to try and save the world kind of shit I definitely still get impatient more so when I finish writing than anything and that's normally where my mistakes in editing come through because it's just like I'm really excited now I finish a chapter I want people to see it I want to get out there <laughs> and start working on the next thing I want it to be done I want to move on mm-hmm. it's like my kind of big patience thing is this one story that I've, want, I've been wanting to write since I fought a bit in January last year and I still haven't posted the first chapter yet because I wanted to be the 69th fic that I post and ah. I'm standing by that. Is it because the sixty nine? <laughs> yeah, there's not actually sixty nine in it. But sorry, so it's like that's like my ultimate test of patience because this is like the one story I've been waiting to write the most, and I can't do it yet because I'm only on sixty five now. So I've only got to write three more than I can post the first chapter. It's just finding the time to write those three other stories. I've already got three on the go. Ideally, I need to finish one of the three multi-chapter one. Well, either Tides or my Christmas story that I'm writing now in March. April? It's April. Oh, I'm writing a Christmas fic in April. Hey, it'll be done by Christmas. Perfect. So ideally, I need to finish one of the, either the Christmas one or the Tides angst one before I move on. 
because I know Snapchat isn't going to go anywhere yet. That's got such a long journey ahead of it. But I mean, it's nice that you keep adding to it. And there's always some new fic to read from it as well. It's just their journey, really. Like I know at the moment we're kind of building up to that big battle between when they try to find meet Hazel again. But even then, the story's not going to be over. I know how the story ends. I've got to get there first. It's funny. I have this idea for a story and it's actually one that I was talking about with another person I had had on the show. And it's where somebody comes to you and asks if you are willing to sacrifice yourself in order to advance the human race, right? So that they are taken completely out of the timeline and maybe put into this other dimension where they can't get out, but they can see how their sacrifice helps somebody else, you know, Mm -hmm. but everyone who knows them or knew of them forgets them. They cease to exist. And so I'm writing it as a super corp right now. And okay. it kind of starts off where Kara meets Lena and she's not Supergirl, but she has this big purpose that she finds out later after she's kind of gone through a couple of weeks, maybe a year of seeing Lena, falling in love with her, reading news articles about her, being able to talk to her, but never branching the veil of professionalism. Like she just kind of enjoys her from afar. Right. And so she meets Lena at this vintage furniture store and she's looking at this pillow and Lena comes up and she's like, she herself also kind of has a crush on Kara, but you never find this out until at the very end, when you find out that she has the pillow that Kara says reminded her of sunshine. And because it reminded Kara of sunshine, it also reminds Lena of sunshine. So it comes in. Kara takes the sacrifice. She goes, you know what? I will, because she's always worried about the greater good, what's better for everyone and things like that. Right. And they're like, you'll get to see how your sacrifice will help. And so now it ends where she's watching Lena hold this pillow and finding out that for Lena, this pillow became sort of like a comfort for her. And it's the only splash of color in her very white office right so it's white as hell and then you've got this bright orange sunny pillow and that's where it ends so she never takes the plunge to tell Lena she loves her but she does something amazing for everyone else because she loves Lena that's devastating I, I have like the beginning I have a kind of idea for the middle and then I have an idea for kind of the end but now I gotta fill it in more it's like super court adjacent like, are people yeah. going to hate me? <laughs> you know, everybody loves angst, really. They do, but it's not like they end up together. Or it's not like she realizes how amazing her life will be with Kara. She just, Kara has had such an impact on her life through a pillow. I mean, that just kind of shows how deep that love goes, really. Mm-hmm. Even though she never gets to, like, really experience it, it's still there. And then, yeah, you find out she ends up in this mixy dimension. Fucking mixy. All asses. But he becomes uh, a good guy in the end, kind of. And then you've got Nixie, who is an ass. And yeah, then, I only even watched, like, the first season of Supergirl. So I, I know of them all from certain things. Yeah, I'm not even going to bother with season six. Ended at five. I'll just read all the fix now that are trying to fix that problem. If in doubt, fan fiction. Exactly. Gotta love it. This is how I'm finding out about Bly Manor. I will not watch that show. I'm terrified. I say Bly Manor's not as scary as Hill House. Ugh, doesn't matter. Oh, Hill House destroyed me. I 
I do not like suspense for prolonged periods of time or like mm-hmm. jump scares. I'm like, no, thank you. Life is scary enough as it is. And I know, <laughs> but I love the way the blind manner authors write their stories about, and mm-hmm. there's almost no fix it fix. Like Danny dies. That's almost yeah. always the ending, but they have such beautiful lives together. You're like, God, this is so bittersweet. So if you ever want a fandom that'll basically destroy your heart, but then have some beautiful f- domestic fluff, because it sounds like that's something you enjoy too. I really like the domestic stuff. Like when you get to it and you see like the most recent chapter of Snapshots, mm-hmm. you'll understand what I mean when I say I love domestic stuff. <laughs> it's, a, it's a shocking chapter. Like there's no way around it. Oh, <laughs> It's all of the group. They go shopping. Oh, and you get to see them fight a little bit, maybe? Well, it's 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 Camilla's birthday in, uh-huh. like, the next chapter, I think, depending on what happens in the chapter. In, if, it, it should be the chapter that I'm writing now, but it depends on what happens. So they're, like, planning for Camilla's birthday. So Beatrice takes Camilla away so that, like, Ava, Mary, and Lilith can go buy her presents, and Lilith's having, like, a meltdown about the whole thing because she wants to buy her a really nice present. She wants to kind of show her feelings that they're kind of growing. Um, what? Yeah. Oh. Um, she's stressed out because they all know that she's had sex and she's kind of chill with it. And then Camilla's like, hey, there's a sex shop. Let's go in. And Beatrice has a meltdown because she, she's still a nerd little bit at heart. Like she's been to this big step, but don't drag her into a sex shop. Well, I mean, who's going to wear it too? Is it going to be a shared experience or? That's like a future situation for them. And if you want that kind of action, go to Love Thy Neighbor. Will do. I mean, you got to have two. I feel like you got to have two straps if you're both willing to strap the other, you know? Absolutely. I mean, in Love Thy Neighbor, Beatrice had like three or four. Wow. She likes to have a variation. And I I wanted to make a Pokemon joke. That's a far cry from the Beatrice we know and love. <laughs> like I said, you, you put Beatrice in a situation where she gets to be herself and she's yeah. a little bit older. Wow. She's, she's, she's top. It's great. But yeah, back, back to the shopping chapter. She's a top? Oh, I love it that. Might. To me, she is. I feel like she would do well as a top, at least as like a service top, only because for Ava her, it would be easier to deal with these situations. That too. Ava's like the biggest bottom ever. I feel like she'd be a perfect brat anyway. She's the brattiest bottom. And again, that's a hill I'm going to die on. Like, I feel you. No, I've always maintained that like Beatrice is like the toppiest top, even if she doesn't realize it yet. Because Ava's just like the biggest brat. I mean, in the show, when Beatrice tells her to pay attention, she just gets a little smile and wiggles. It's like, come on. You know? Or the whole language thing. I love that. I love that one in snapshots where they went to the town and she's like, holy shit. And Beatrice is looking at her and Ava feels her eyes and she's like, holy crap. And she's like, try again. Wow. (laughs) And she's like, better. (laughs) I'm like, oh, that's perfect. (laughs) Yeah, I I, I love like having those little kind of moments of... I mean, again, even like in like in snapshots, it got to a point where they just don't correct her anymore. They've given up on trying to stop Ava from swearing. They're just like, you know what? It's fine. We're okay with this. I but mean, that I, town. I doubt the like, Lord cares. <laughs> exactly. But it's like that that town I, in snapshots is like 
it's a real town. It's modeled after like a place I love to visit during Christmas. Yeah, it, it just ended up being like a whole little love letter to that town in a way. That is so sweet. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Sorry. No, it, it, it's just like my parents took me there like this one Christmas and I was like in like a really bad place and it was just so peaceful. It, it was Christmas Eve and it was just this like really quiet, like proper villagey town, like village kind of setting, cobblestone paths, farmer's market, fairy lights and like alleyways and things like that. I was like, oh, this is kind of magical. So when I first started writing, that's like the first part of Snapshots. That was what came to mind immediately. And I was like, oh yeah, it's going to have to be that. I mean, you could kind of feel the love or the attachment you had for this little town in the middle of, I think, nowhere, basically. It's like the middle of England. It's kind of like near where, it's about an hour from where I, well, from where my parents live, really. Let me just send you a picture real quick. And I'll send you a picture that I took like that time in the town. Thankfully, I reposted on my Instagram like last year. One second. Oh my God, how am I doing this? There you go. Ooh, that looks cool. It's, it's just a little alleyway, but I really like that picture. The it's lights like, are amazing. It's just it, like the, the dad holding his kid's hand and like the little silhouettes of it. I mean, it's, it's got really, a mood. It's one of my favorite pictures I've ever taken. It's a good one. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I've, I've, I completely lost track again of what we were talking about. I can remember talking about like oh shopping chapter um it's little illis mary and ava in a thrift store and ava's just jumping out of the changing room every every now and again like what did you think of this and just trying on clothes and being a cute little dog about it all so she can show beatrice later on (laughs) that's just the whole chapter that's like it was like twenty thousand words of them shopping wow that is that is amazing i can barely get a 1500 out so fuck (laughs) Yeah, I don't I don't do well with like small chapters anymore. It gets really carried away from me now. Well, that's okay. That's okay. So any fic or artist recs you'd like to share with us today? Oh easy. Um The Young Martyr by Dangers Untold, Harsh Hardships Unnumbered. It was one of the first fics I ever read for Ava and Beatrice, and it is fucking astounding. It's kind of like a future setting and oh my heart every single time I read it it's just beautiful. They live in like a little apartment in France Ooh, and then you. Before the Light is Closed by Foible Fables. Again one of the early ones I read when I first started reading Fix for the Fandom. It kind of takes place right after the end of season one and you, you have to read it. There's just this moment. Okay. Is it long? It's too long i don't have either of them open right now one second i'm not even gonna lie i am a slow ass reader this is why i read aloud <laughs> so so before the because because the light is closed ignore me i said that wrong um it's five chapters and twenty five thousand words oh, and bad. the young martyr is twenty two thousand words and 15 chapters no that's not so bad um and then there's a sequel to because the light is closed, called Blessed Are the Big Macs, I believe. You also will have to read, because that's just really cute. All right, um, I will read them. I'll send you all the links later. Excellent. 
Thank you very much. Any artists? Um, number one artist, who again, I will send you the link. They are a dear friend of mine. They are Brunams. They're on Tumblr and Instagram. So I will send you the links for both. And then you also have Trick Draws. So I linked the piece of art in the first Snapshots chapter because it was actually their work that inspired that entire piece. And it's both of them, they make the most incredible stuff. Um, it's amazing. There's also the Hallelujah series by Dash underscore L. The short little things, it's all from my Beatrice's kind of perspective. When it comes to Beatrice, um, Dash understands her better than anybody else. Dash is like one of my best friends. So I highly recommend those as well. Nice. Okay, I will definitely check them out. And now, how do you self-care? I mean, I feel like right now, considering everything going on, the last two years have been a freaking shit show. How do you find time mm-hmm. to self-care? Or what do you do for self-care to try to minimize the crazy? I mean, my writing is my most of it. I picked this all back up um, not long after the first lockdown. And I haven't really looked back. It just got more important to me once I kind of got into the Warrior Nun fandom. And I kind of found this renewed love to writing again. I talk to my besties, Dash and Steph. I, I talk to them on the regular. They're like rocks to me. They mean everything to me. My entire like little Twitter fam. Like they don't mind it when I kind of start tweeting random shit. And it feels like I'm always being hugged by them because I love them so much. And then TikTok. Like I also got TikTok during the first lockdown. I was like, what the fuck is this? And it owns my entire life. Oh my God, I could lose hours on that thing. And right now I'm in like the sad TikTok. Very few things are funny, except I did find this TikTok where the only thing that's happening is this tiny baby duck is following this woman back and forth on different surfaces. And it is the cutest thing ever. The tiny duck photo. I love it. I'm like, so cute. Or like Instagram and I find all the funny things to laugh at. Like this one cat that rolled off a stairs and (laughs) he sounds so bad. I'm like, I'm going to go to hell, but it's so funny. The one thing with like Instagram reels is that so many of them are just TikToks. By the time I see them on Instagram, I've already seen them on TikTok. And it's like, oh, Mm -hmm. this isn't Yeah, the friend who got me to finally sign up for TikTok was like, you're just sending me things from TikTok, from Instagram. And I'm like, fine, but just be aware it's going to inundate you more. I did not lie. And now she has a lot. So... Mm -hmm. If I if I spend like ages on there, I end up with like a whole like list of spams because TikTok actually ends up being like a random inspiration for me for certain fics. So it's like I'll see something happening, one of them like, oh, this makes me think of Ava in like this AU, and I'll we we have like a little group Discord, me and like my two friends, mm-hmm. and we kind of like split the channels up, so like all my AUs are kind of all organised. So I just be like dropping links into all of them, and it's not it's not helpful because. If I'm like searching for like something that I wrote six months ago and I see a TikTok link, that TikTok is 90% likely to be deleted. So <laughs> I just have like a random link with no context. And it's like, well, this was probably really important and helpful to me at the time, but now it's useless. Yes, I know what you mean. I have like a bunch <laughs> of super court kids fix because I'm writing one, right? And mm. I find it, they find it and they're like, this super court kid fic. And we're like, oh my God, this would be funny. Yeah. I got a long list of them stuck in the messages for that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the pain. Mm-hmm. TikTok, 
bane of my existence. My my joy and my time sucker. And battery. It definitely kills the battery on my phone. Oh God, yes. Luckily I don't have it on a on my cell phone or I would be screwed. So <laughs> it's on a separate iPod device. Ah, smart. Mm-hmm. I only have my phone. So it's like between TikTok and my Google Docs, my phone battery is always dire. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you feel up for it, we can follow each other on TikTok. Ooh. And then I can send you things randomly. And if you want, you can send me things randomly. I'm down for that. Absolutely. Cool. All right. So this is the last question because this is probably a good place to stop. Any last thoughts before we close out the show? My head is absolutely empty. (laughs) (laughs) It's just elevator music in here now. I'm not hearing anything. (laughs) You're good? I'm good. (laughs) I mean, I don't know why, but immediately, like, our apocalypse conversation from the, fa- the burning questions just came back to mind. It's like, well, why? why that? <laughs> we so talked did... about so much, and that's what came back. To he- came back. <laughs> oh. Did you have fun, at least? I hope you had fun today. Oh, I've had so much fun. It's, it's 10 o'clock. I've only just noticed the time. It's 11 o'clock here. <laughs> It's almost I time for lunch. Okay. <laughs> I haven't had dinner yet. What? Oh my god! You got to go have dinner. Yeah, in a bit. Okay. So let people know where they can find you at. So you can find me on Yasha Strong Arms on Tumblr, and my Twitter is Rogue Thirteen Ninety Four, and Puppy Boys Be on Ao Three. If people ask nicely, I might give Discord out, but you know, you got to ask for that one. I'm a lucky few who got it, so thank you. You're like one of like five people who know my Discord. Woohoo! I think it's like five. Yeah, I don't talk to anybody. Other than like, I've left my two besties and you and like one other person. Well, please do not become a stranger. I really enjoy talking with you. And you I, know. I need to hear your thoughts on chapter two of Go and Leave. Oh, yes, definitely. That is on my list of things to go back to. All right, that's it for today's show. To connect with me, look for Down the Phantom Hole with Aya on Tumblr, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. And as Aya Spencer on AO3. The link to the Patreon companion post for this episode is in the episode description. There you'll find links to all our social media. The recs mentioned here and a section called Creator's Pride, which lets you see if your favorite is also their favorite. And if you like the show, become a supporter and get some cool perks in the process. Also, if you have a Discord or would like to be part of Discord, I've started a server called The Fandom Hole, where you can hang with me while I work. And if you'd like to listen to live shows, Amelia Rowan and I host a monthly one called Chit Chat and Cheesecake. We are never sure what we're going to talk about, uh, so you'll want to join to find out. Next, a huge thank you to everyone who supports Down The Fandom Hole, tunes in, and who have hit the follow and like button. Your support means everything. And last, don't forget to show some love to your favorite fandom creators. Always try to find that common ground. And no matter what anyone says, you are a creative and beautiful person. Peace out, Rainbow Trouts. Uh, I think that's it. And we're done. Wonderful. All right. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Thank you for coming on. Anytime. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.